0: This episode of the GCSAA podcast is presented in partnership with Bayer, a company committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. For more information on the company and its offerings in the golf industry, visit environmentalscience.bear.us and look for the Turf and Ornamentals Management tab at the top of the page. As always, our thanks to everyone at Bayer for their continued support of the podcast. Well, we've done it. We are back again for yet another episode of the GCSAA podcast, this one being episode number 39. I'm Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine and your host for the podcast, and I thank you for downloading and listening today. In this episode, we talk with the new president of GCSAA, something that we have done each of the last several years. And the man on the hot seat this time around is Kevin Breen, the certified golf course superintendent at La Rinconada Country Club in Los Gatos, California. Kevin and I get into some of his passions off the golf course, what keeps him coming back on the golf course after more than 30 years in the business, and some of the things he wants to accomplish in his year in office and the initiatives that are at the top of his to-do list. I had a chance to spend a good amount of time with Kevin and his wife Lori back in December for the GCM story that you can read now in the March issue of the magazine and on our website. At gcmonline.com. So, this is really a great extension of those conversations, and I think you'll find your listen to be time well spent. So, Mr. Kevin Breen, GCSAA's 86th president, on this episode of the GCSA podcast. As always, a reminder to please subscribe, rate, and review the GCSA podcast if you haven't already done that. It really helps others find us, so please take a second to help out wherever it is you get your podcasts. And as a bonus, you can also get access to all 38 previous episodes of the podcast on all those same services, whether that's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. So if you missed any of those episodes, including the two we recorded live in San Diego at the Conference and Trade Show with... Muirfield Village's Chad Mark and Pinehurst's Bob Farron. You can always catch up by checking out our archives. With that, it's time to get going with episode 39 of the GCSAA podcast featuring GCSAA president Kevin Breen. Okay, my guest uh, today on this episode of the GCSA podcast is Kevin Breen. I'm sure uh, many of you listening uh, know Kevin or at least aware of Kevin, his face was on the cover of the March issue of GCM. So you probably Mm -hmm. saw it there. Uh, Kevin is the certified golf course superintendent at La Rinconata Country Club in Los Gatos, California, just south of San Jose, Uh, 31 year, GCSA member. And for the purposes of this podcast, he is uh, the recently elected 86th president of GCSAA, was elected during the uh, uh, recent uh, conference and trade show in San Diego. Uh, And Kevin, I think you are the first president to ever be elected virtually. So I know some listeners may know why. Uh, you were unable to join us in uh, San Diego, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but at least let you uh, kind of explain uh, uh, why why you were unable to uh, travel to San Diego and how you're doing now.
1: Well, thanks, Scott. It's great to be with you today. And uh, it, it was a really uh, wild time for me right before conference and show. I had two retinal detachments in my right eye. I've never had any real problems with that before. I didn't know much about retinal tears, but I certainly do now, (laughs) (laughs) unfortunately. And uh, that prohibited me from traveling. Uh, The procedure that they do, you you can't get in an airplane. You have to lay in a certain position for an amount of time so that can heal. And unfortunately, I've now got that designation of uh, not being there for my presidential election, which I I was very disappointed in, but um, I had to take care of my health. That's right. Well,
0: that's and that's the most important thing. And uh, uh, made some accommodations virtually, so at least you could be there. And uh, I got I got to see you on a giant screen at the closing. (laughs) Kind of, you'll you'll probably see some of the pictures of it. But it's a it's maybe the biggest screen you've ever been
1: on, like a billboard. It it was, it was funny, Scott, because I had people sending me pictures during, you know, live and and they text me a picture. I was like, oh my gosh, it looks like, you know, in the Wizard of Oz when the the, the wizard's behind the the screen, but there's this big uh, uh, image of him up there. So yeah, that was, that was really funny. But the the virtual component, it, it was really nice to be able to be there, at least in some capacity. Right, right, and
0: uh, um, this isn't about me, but as as you and I've talked many times, I've had uh, similar experiences as you. I guess uh, yeah. some readers may. I've yeah. I've actually uh, written about it in GC previously. So uh, we uh, we have been down similar similar paths, and yeah, am uh, um, yeah. glad, uh, glad at least for now you're on, the, on a little bit on the road to recovery. I know you're heading off to England and the uh, BTME. Uh, 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 event with that big up mm-hmm. there here uh, very shortly. So um, it, today's conversation with Kevin, we're we're not going to talk medical the whole time. We'll actually get into some uh, some good stuff here. And uh, um, uh, I, I would ask any any. Any listener who is looking for more information on Kevin, his career, uh, some of his thoughts and um, goals for his year as GCSA president, to check out the March issue of GCN. The cover story um, on Kevin um, focused a lot on that. Uh, on the podcast here, just so that we have kind of a companion piece, wanted to get a little more personal. I know uh, when I paid you a visit in December, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Kevin, and you and I talked about a lot of this stuff. Some of it, some of it made made its way into the story in one form or another. Others. Yeah. Didn't, But I thought this would be kind of an interesting way to, to do it and maybe talk a little bit about you um, off the course, out of the boardroom, um, and, and some of the things you like to do. And so I want to sure. start off with that. This might kind of dance all over the place with this a little bit. But I want to talk about your uh, – ask you a little bit about your your fondness for running. You are a really dedicated runner. Um, I'm sure the I put a little bit of a um, – yeah. Delay in that. But how how did you? What first attracted you to getting out running? I know I know you were a a cyclist in in college, and probably have always been very active. But what is it about running uh, that first kind of attracted you, and and made it something that you're really
1: dedicated to? Well, you know, Scott, I've I've always been active, and uh, you know, as you get older, you kind of figure out, okay. You know, these are the things that have really brought me pleasure and that I enjoyed. And in a lot of ways, it's a stress reliever for me. Also, it's how I handle stress, and uh, whether it's been running or uh, I, w- I went from running in uh, as a as a young kid and. Uh, grade school, junior high, high school, track and field, cross country, that sort of thing. And I graduated to road bikes and race road bikes for a while. And then it was mountain bikes. And then I did some Nordic skiing and it, and then uh, back to running in the last uh, 10 years or so. And it's just always been who I am. I, I just found a great amount of satisfaction in being active. Um, and running has kind of come full circle for me now. In the last 10 years. And, and you're right, I, I really do enjoy it. Um, it's, it's kind of funny as you get older, you find that you're getting slower. So there's not a whole lot to look forward to as far as a new PR right. in that nature. But, uh, you know, you just like life, you, you learn to enjoy the journey. And uh, you figure out why you're doing it and you focus on those things. And it does bring me a lot of enjoyment. And and being in nature is a big part of that. Uh, I run mostly trails and uh, brings me a lot of satisfaction, And especially if I can do it with uh, fellow superintendents.
0: Yeah, and you and you have uh, you connected with a number of folks uh, to do that, and uh, there's just 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 another way to kind of build a, a, you know communities and friendships and things like that. Who are some of, Who are some of the colleagues that you've kind of uh, uh, grown to to know through running?
1: Uh, you know, I, Scott, it's been a long time of just kind of being around the fringes of of people who are really active. Uh, Scott Bauer and I work together. Uh, Scott's a superintendent at Martis Camp in Truckee. And, uh, when we were in Truckee together, Scott did a lot of adventure racing and he did it with Thomas fastest. And so I got to know Thomas and, and those guys and what they were doing. And, uh, then when I left Truckee and came to the Bay area, uh, Thomas was just up the road with me. And, uh, another superintendent, the area I, I didn't know previously, uh, was Brian Boyer and Brian and Thomas and I ran almost every Sunday And, uh, Thomas being the adventurer that he is, uh, decided, Hey, let's do the rim to rim to rim, which is the grand Canyon. You start on, uh, traditionally you would start on the south rim, which is what we did. And then you run to the north rim. And if that wasn't enough for most people, we decided it wasn't enough for us. (laughs) We went back to the south rim. So it's a traversing of the grand Canyon. So we trained for that and, uh, did that uh, journey together, which was, uh, just epic. It was such a great experience and uh, love that. Uh, that was a number of years ago. And then I, I've just continued running. I, I do some competitions, but for me, they're events, they're not really races. And uh, I, I just enjoy the whole uh, aspect of that and uh, continue to run with with uh, Brian Thomas, not as much anymore. He's on tour with the PGA as an agronomist, but uh, I've enjoyed running with superintendents and. Uh, Jeremy Payne is another one in our area who uh, is an ultra endurance trail runner. So it's it's fun to connect with those people.
0: Yeah, it's an awesome way to meet to probably meet people that you might not otherwise have have had a chance uh, uh, to meet and and have some really uh, really cool experiences. And, and you mentioned some of the reasons that that have attracted you to uh, to running and. um I don't know. are there are there parallels between what you do professionally as a superintendent or uh, attributes characteristics you need to have to be a successful superintendent that you find uh, are similar to in, in running, perseverance, you know, patience, things like that. Have you noticed anything throughout your your career and your your long time as a runner?
1: Oh, absolutely absolutely it it does teach you to be humble. You learn that uh, there's a lot of things out of your control, but uh, just like being a superintendent, the more you put into it, the more effort and dedication to your craft uh the more you get out of it and as superintendents a lot of times we get to see that firsthand we get to see our product improve and uh when when you're running, it is a direct correlation between how much time and effort you put into it and your results and so it, a lot of parallels there and it uh, it has helped me to be humble which has helped tremendously in, in my board service and also at home uh i'm i'm fortunate in my work that i have housing right on property so part of my escape from work and getting off property is to go run so it serves a couple purposes and, and it definitely has helped me in my career and in my life uh, in the friendships and the the running community has been a big part of uh, of my life. it's It's uh, really just a, a great thing that I hope I can continue to do for many years in the future.
0: Yeah, it's great, and and now I, uh, I I think most people listening will be aware that our uh, GCSA CEO, Red Evans, is also very very active uh, mm-hmm. runner, obviously a, a mountain climber of of some acclaim in our in our industry. Do the two of you uh, ever get a chance to, as you're uh, traveling about, to to get out and run, or during your time on the board, have you had a had a chance to do some of that?
1: Yeah, Rhett and I, uh, we have a lot of fun together, and he he is an extremely focused, dedicated individual with a lot of energy. Uh, Not just what he does professionally, but as you mentioned, as a mountain climber, getting some of the highest peaks in the world on different continents, uh, which takes a lot of work. So it's fun when we travel together or we're at board meetings. Uh, Rhett and I generally are up really early and (laughs) in the gym. (laughs) You can find Rhett and uh, we'll hang out, work out together and and have a lot of fun. Um, You know, that whole mountain climber uh, scenario that you... You, you put out there, uh, in your question reminded me also, that, you know, that was the name of the article, right. right. Uh, in GCM. And I, I read that article and I thought, you know, how lucky am I to have that kind of career and live in such fantastic places and have those great life experiences and adventures. I, you know, it just doesn't happen for everyone. And as you mentioned, you know, that balance of career, personal endeavors is a, is a hard one to balance. And, you know, fortunately, I, I have a wonderful wife, two fantastic daughters, two special grandchildren, and you know, I've worked my dream job. I, I, I really have. I've been in situations where uh, not many people get, get to go in beautiful places with great golf courses. And uh, now being chosen by my peers to lead our association, I, I just think, you know, how, how lucky is that? I'm so grateful for, for it all. Yeah,
0: especially I know, and we touched on this in the article. Um, you know, part of your plan, you and Lori's plan, was to to live that kind of mountain resort lifestyle mm-hmm. as you guys got out of college and began your uh, began your life together and. Um, I mean, that has to be gratifying to you. I, I would guess that you had something you wanted to do that you hoped would work out and to have it actually hope, uh, work out the way that you hoped it would and, and to get to kind of experience some of those unique, um, mm-hmm. uh, those u- unique environments, both personally and professionally.
1: Oh yeah. 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 It couldn't, we, we drew it up a certain way. We wanted to live in a small mountain town and, uh, raise children and, be able to get into the nature and do the things I've been able to do as far as adventures. And, you know, you took us from Nebraska to Summit County, Colorado, to Boulder, Colorado, Fort Collins, Jackson Hole, Wyoming, Estes Park, Colorado, uh, Pagosa Springs, Colorado, Los Alamos, New Mexico, and then Lake Tahoe. I mean, who who wouldn't want to live in any of those places? Um, And and now in the uh, Bay Area. Uh, just really it it couldn't draw it up much better it's worked out really well for us at times you question yourself and you think uh, i think we all do right you know should have i done more you know maybe i could have been more aggressive about certain things or done but you can't do everything and from where we started and what our interests were and where we wanted to go uh, things have turned out really well
0: that's uh that's great and i and as a fan of uh uh, the mountains, myself, mainly as a camper. There's not many mountains in uh, near Lawrence, Kansas, but I know certainly jealous of that. I always enjoy the time I get to spend up there, and I know a lot of people uh, make it a, certainly a target vacation. So the fact the fact that you got to live that. Um, throughout yeah. your life and your, and your career is, is pretty awesome. Also developed, you mentioned this earlier, uh, kind of a love of skiing. I don't know if, if uh, how much skiing do you get to know oh, yeah. that, that you are where you are? And I, I, I know at one time you, you were uh-huh. a coach or an instructor uh, as a, in skiing.
1: Yeah, yeah. My skiing career started in uh, high school when three of my buddies, we came together, drove out to Colorado from Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, for four days of skiing. I hadn't skied before. I hadn't really spent a lot of time in the winter in the mountains and, uh, loved it. We had a great time as only high school guys can do <laughs> on their own. Uh, that kind of started a love affair with, with skiing. And, uh, once I moved out to Colorado, you know, you, that's what you did. Cause you worked on the mountain. I, I worked in the base area and I skied 73 straight days uh at a certain point uh and just kind of you know found ways to really enjoy living in the mountains that's that's great and um have
0: your have your kids uh gravitated towards i guess both running and
1: skiing do they do
0: are they those things
1: yeah yeah Uh, natalie my oldest daughter she runs Uh, she's active and uh it just reminded me, yeah, you asked me, you know, about coaching kids and, and skiing and um, Mark, as she grew up, as all kids in, in the mountain towns do, she she started skiing when she was two or three years old. We put her on skis. And of course, when you're that low to the ground, right. you're really good. <laughs> just, <Yeah. laughs> it's so, so much fun to watch them uh, ski and learn how to be in nature and get outdoors. And it was a special place with uh, she had a really great ski coach. Uh, and uh, I, I joined with him and uh, was a volunteer coach for the Nordic team in Truckee. And there, there was a lot of really uh, fantastic kids, fantastic parents and coaches. Uh, this late, latest, latest Olympics, uh, Halver, uh, sorry, Hannah Halverson, who larks. Uh, with uh, was on the Olympic team this year, so it was great to see a local kid that we we knew uh, make it to the Olympics, which which was really cool. So I, I'm not uh, a coach coach kind of thing. I was more of a parent volunteer, and I just cheered on the kids and made sure they were having fun, and uh, which is what really what it's all about. Is right. the kids they'll continue to do it and work hard, and that's a sport Nordic skiing that you do have to work really hard at. It's it's not an easy sport. But uh, the kids, they find that they're having fun and they want to keep doing it. And they're willing then to put in the hard work. And that that was really key to the success. And I, I've learned a lot through that process of, you know, keep it fun first, uh, especially for kids. Don't make it too serious because they won't, they won't do it. That's that's where the burnout happens. And It's got to be fun. They, it's got to be their thing, their idea. And then you just, if you can just keep them having fun, they'll they'll keep doing it and they'll get better. Yeah. It's really a really simple process. We as parents, I I think in coaches sometimes too too, we get in the way of that. And that that's too bad. Keep it fun. Yeah, and, and
0: parallels to the game of golf as well. Is, I mean it's a game you can start, you can pick up yeah. at a very early age and um obviously takes some practice and some dedication to get better. And you can also participate it in the, you know, throughout most of your life. And I'm sure that the skiing, your speeds, and and the difficulty of the runs Mm -hmm. you're selecting as the older you get, probably uh, probably revert back to what you started on. But uh, uh, some parallels there between your, you know, between that, the the two activities. Yes, very much. Yeah. Um, I want to do... um, switch gears a a little bit um and you have also throughout your career um you know really placed an emphasis on environmental sustainability in, in the in the work that mm-hmm. you do. and some of that's been a product of the places yeah. that you have been and the sensitivities and of of the people that live in the, in those areas some of it's your own background uh, uh i assume um as someone in the we talked about in, in the gcm story about your uh, your meteorology degree um which was your, your first degree um yeah. before getting in, into turf grass um do you have you uh, have you always been interested in in the in I guess green activities to use a really overused you know description of the the broader world and and how much do you credit your love of weather and your interest in science and fascination by that stuff with kind of fostering that sort of interest? Yes,
1: yeah, that's a really good question because it's it's always been part of who I am. I have just, just an, always enjoyed being outdoors, uh, as a kid, you know, mom yells at you cause you're getting too crazy inside with your brother. And she says, take it outside, go outside. And she rarely had to say that to me I, when she did. It's like, Oh, thank God. I want to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so I just have always enjoyed being outdoors. Um, and I, I think that was a heightened sensibility that I had growing up. And, uh, that I just learned to really appreciate uh, nature and the, the, the processes that go into how ecosystems work. And so getting into my career as a superintendent, it just came naturally when being in places that uh, required a heightened environmental sensitivity, uh, maybe due to permitting or the sensitivity of a mountain environment. It, I had that heightened sense already. In me, and then that just continued to grow. And I found new ways of doing things, things that were more environmentally friendly. And that led to committee service with GCSA on the Environmental Programs Committee, where uh, really had a passion for finding ways to do things in a sustainable manner. And uh, that that's really just been my whole career. And the meteorology part uh, grew out of that. It, it was kind of a eureka moment for me when I found out you could actually make a living as a as a meteorologist. Unfortunately that did not work out quite the way I'd planned but uh, nonetheless it is an education that uh, was really true to who I am and fortunately I, I get to use it today as a superintendent because the weather plays a, a role in, in what we do out on the golf course and I've been able to share that through teaching at a conference and show for a number of years. I teach a weather class and try to help superintendents uh, understand the weather and use the tools, the forecasting tools that are out there to better serve them. So that it's, it's really come a full circle. It's been, it's been a lot of fun, it's been good. Yeah, and you
0: and you've probably had a front row seat to um, the role that environmental management of golf courses plays in the industry, and really the public perception of that through, throughout your careers. Um, how have you have you how have you seen that that change and develop? I, I, I imagine when you first started, not every superintendent considered that as a part of their job, and I think today most superintendents probably view to to one extent or another. Being environmentally sensitive, being thoughtful when it comes to that stuff is just a part of their job. Uh, and also, I mean, the public perception, probably when you first started, I mean, there's, there was obviously the, the, mis, the misperceptions about how, how golf courses are maintained and the use of products and the use of water and things like that. And there's probably been a transformation there. Have, have you been able, have you seen that um, develop throughout, throughout your career?
1: Yes, I have. I I've seen us get much better at telling our stories and who we are and why we do what we do as superintendents. I think most superintendents are what I would call environmentalists. You know, I I think of an environmentalist number one as somebody who's educated. Most superintendents have an education, uh, a college degree, or some sort of uh, diploma that says that they've learned how to do their job well, and and that is uh, a lot of things that go into maintaining a natural environment. Uh, I, I think we're well-versed in how to do that. So number one, we're qualified. Number two, there's there's just not any motivation to waste resources. There's no financial incentive. There's uh, no real agronomic reason to do that. If you're over fertilizing, over watering, you generally your golf course isn't as good. It's not as healthy. So. It really goes to who we are, I think, and I'm proud to say that I'm a superintendent who who is well educated and does take the environment into consideration and does use the resources wisely. And when I talk to people who look at it from the outside, I, I tell them that exact thing, Scott. You know, there's no incentive for me to be wasteful and to uh, be unkind to the environment. You know, we we want to leave it uh, better than we found it and uh, most of the time when you test water that comes into a golf course you know what, what do we find it's cleaner when it leaves and uh, the wildlife was found on a golf course generally much better than what you find outside the golf course especially if you're a uh, metropolitan area similar to where i am now it's a little bit more difficult to tell that story to people in the mountains when you're surrounded by <laughs> natural ecosystems but when you're surrounded by a city such as San Jose or San Francisco, uh, golf courses are some of the few places that you'll find the, the ecosystems that uh, are working really well. And so I'm prou- proud that I'm in an industry that has made a lot of ground there. We're, we're getting a lot of the credibility we deserve for doing the right things.
0: Yeah, and a, lot, a lot of superintendents obviously are attracted to the job because they like to be outdoors, just like you. They like to be outdoors. They like to be active. They wanted to find a career. They have an appreciation for the natural environment uh, around them. And so there, there's no desire on, on their part. That just comes naturally to them. So uh, to, to do what's right for the environment and uh, mm-hmm. in the management of the golf course not only makes sense for for Mother Nature, but it makes sense for the bottom line um, and for, <laughs> for job security security uh, most guys aren't yeah. they're using too much water and using too many products and that's gonna and that's gonna c- catch up with them so I, I think it has been and i use i take that same tack when i when i chat with people uh, uh about what i do who may who maybe don't know uh, much about golf and and that's just something boy I've, uh, you,
1: you see that time and time again
0: as you make your way uh through this business
1: you sure do you sure do the longer you're in it the more you realize uh what, what good stewards we really are
0: yeah, well, it's great. Well, listen, I'm gonna t- uh, we're gonna take a quick break here and then uh, be right back um, with more with uh, Kevin Breen. So stay tuned. We'll get back to this episode in a moment, but right now, a word from Bear, the proud sponsor of the GCSAA podcast. You know, Bear is pleased to support golf course superintendents as they strive to maintain healthy, beautiful, playable turf. And the company is committed to helping superintendents up their turf management game by providing new innovative solutions that maximize turf quality, along with technical expertise to help superintendents maintain their edge against hard-to-control turf diseases and damaging insects. Among those innovative solutions is DensaCore, the latest DMI fungicide from Bayer, designed to control dollar spot, brown patch, anthracnose, snow mold, and gray leaf spot with one simple solution. Another is Tetrino, a game-changing insecticide designed as a complete solution for controlling white grubs, annual bluegrass weevil, and other devastating turf insects. And right now you can save on purchases of both products through may 31st just visit my bear rewards at myrewards.cropscience.bear.com to find out more or to sign up for the program always read and follow label instructions and remember that not all products are registered for use in all states our thanks once again to bear for their ongoing support of the gcsa podcast and now back to this episode Okay, welcome back here with Kevin Breen, the 86th president of GCSAA and uh, uh, kind of appreciate that conversation, Kevin. I know you and I talked, a lot of of stuff you and I talked about when I interviewed you for the GCM story, Mm -hmm. uh, covered some of the same ground, but didn't make its way in the story. So I'm glad we had an opportunity to do that. Um, To wrap up here, I want to talk a little bit about the association and kind of your role as as president. There are uh, some um, uh, topics out there just I want to touch on. And let's start with the recently... uh, Concluded conference and trade show, and I think I would, um, and I think most of us here on on staff would equate it, and probably I would imagine the board and others as well, uh, would equate it to a a movie that's just a, a critical smash um, that um, w- that probably didn't yeah. attract as many as many numbers as say the latest Spider-Man movie or something <laughs> like that. I think everything uh, everyone's what we're hearing from from attendees from exhibitors is very positive yeah. in terms of the experience there. But obviously because of the pandemic, our first show back um, numbers were a little down. A lot of appreciation that the show went on as an in-person event this year after going virtual last year, but. Um, what 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 do you what steps do you see the board taking and the and staff as well as, as yeah. we move forward in a, in evaluating conference and trade show as a as a key property and um just kind of let folks know how how we approach those things and how um you know how we put into into sure. motion steps that will
1: improve the experience for everyone involved. Sure. Uh it was great to get together. Everybody except for me, right? That's <laughs> That's right. right. I'm with, my, with my eye. I, I got, to, I got I there. Have for, with another question, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no. The the uh, of course, I I pay attention to the surveys and the responses and the things that I've seen on social media. And you're exactly right. The people who were there really enjoyed coming together. It, it's something that we as human beings. Uh, we need to do. It's just innately who we are. We enjoy stories. We enjoy getting together face-to-face. Uh, social media has created communities that are fantastic. They're part of the future. It's part of what will always be, and communicating and searching each other out. But that face-to-face communication, uh, we found through the pandemic that we we need that for our mental health, for our well-being, and that was evident in San Diego where the people came together, our members and vendors, and everyone enjoyed it. And it was through those groups of community, getting together, talking, learning from one another that uh, we really thrive. So I, I think going forward, the show has evolved in the last few years, and it's going to continue to evolve. It's just so important to... GCSA's business plan and who we are uh, to continue to have a strong conference and show, but there's no doubt it has to change and it will change. Those changes will be uh, forthcoming and they aren't something that, you know, we have a, we being the board and have a crystal ball for these things, Scott, I think the best thing that I can do and the board can do is listen to our members Understand that they need to have those environments where they do come together organically and tell their stories. That we realize that uh, virtual communication is 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 going to remain strong and remain part of uh, what people do to connect with one another and incorporate that into conference and show. And most importantly, maybe uh, listen to our partners, uh, the vendors, and the people that are there. Their business plans are changing as well. They're reevaluating. Uh, where they get their bang for their buck, uh, working with GCSAA, uh, they've been fantastic, committed partners, and I think they'll be committed in the future. They've they've told us that, uh, but how they contribute to our success will will change, and we need to sit down with them and talk, uh, get our our members' feedback from this past year, and go forward with. Uh, evolving the conference and show i can't say exactly what that is but i can tell you that uh, we'll be listening to everybody and working with everyone understanding that uh, it's important for everybody to be successful for the conference and show to be successful absolutely we just had a, a day long
0: uh uh series of meetings here at headquarters to, to go over some of that stuff. So it's an ongoing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah it is. A, lot of, a lot of work
1: being put into it, isn't there? I mean, uh, absolutely, kind of-
0: absolutely. I mean, that's one of the things Obviously, I've been around a little, Long, a little long in the tooth now, but uh, 24 years here. When I first came on board, one of the things that impressed me the most was was the amount of work that went into this event from here um, mm-hmm. here at headquarters. And um, it, it's a, a pretty amazing crew here. A lot of a lot of experience, and so a lot of know how in the industry. And, and when I say industry, meaning the exhibition and, and conference. Uh, uh, industry. so um, yeah. more to, more to come. But I, uh, you know, I, I certainly am hopeful, and as I know you and the board are as well, that will uh, that this will continue to be a, a flagship event for not just the not just the association, but the industry as a whole.
1: Yeah, and it has been right. It, it's always Absolutely. GCSA conference and show has been the flagship, and take a lot of pride in that. And uh, going forward, we're going to continue that.
0: Absolutely. Well, another, another big event, um, for the association and the industry as a whole, um, that really has gone great gangbusters and that's rounds for research. Um, uh, last year, nearly $400,000 raised. They've, uh, the, um, the auctions have raised nearly $2 million since GCSA took them over, uh, from our friends at the Carolinas chapter, um, uh, for turfgrass research in individual areas that benefit local mm-hmm. superintendents so um I-, I wanted to mention it because as a lot of people are listening to this the auction will be taking place um, this year's auction is april 25th through may 1st uh, donations are still being taken so if it's before that time frame and you want to donate some rounds uh, to put up for auction you can certainly do that just head over to uh, gcsa.org foundation slash rounds for research there are hyphens in between those you can go all the information, but uh, just mm-hmm. just very quickly, Kevin, as, as a working superintendent, who um, uh, how how does this how important is, is this auction and the results in in helping to fund uh, turf grass research on the local level that ultimately will have a real world benefit for folks like yourself in the management of golf courses.
1: Well, I think you said it really well. It's a real-world benefit. These are things that matter. If we're going to save water, if we're going to use less fertilizers, pesticides, then the varieties of grass and the other components that need to evolve, that have always evolved through our business, right? I mean, you think even 10 years ago, what we had compared to what we have now, uh, they need to evolve, and research is a big part of that, where – the universities have the ability to bring new products to market and it's it's huge it makes a, a big big difference in the ability for the superintendent to be successful so i encourage everyone get out there get uh, donate some rounds uh, if you can't donate rounds promote it on social media maybe you have a golfer at your facility who would be interested in bidding on a round you know get get the word out it, it's something that will help all of us. It's a, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, great program. Lots of uh, lots
0: of destination yeah. golf uh, uh, up 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 and available for folks. So yeah, uh, please encourage mm-hmm. your uh, your golfers at your facilities to 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 check it out because there's some awesome uh, awesome long weekends and uh, trips that can be had to uh, some really some really cool places. Uh, well, let's transition into education uh, real quick, and um, a lot going on on that front. Uh, There is a new certification program for equipment managers, the certified turf equipment manager uh, program that just launched a certificate series for both equipment managers and assistants uh, that have been really successful and are just kind of growing in popularity. Obviously, we, we've already talked about the conference and trade show, the education there. There was a virtual component to that this year after the actual physical event, as well as the uh, normal set of webinars and things like that. And I yep. I, I say all that to kind of lead into a question. We, you and I spoke about this a, a little bit uh, for the magazine story, mm-hmm. um, but I know that you view education as an unbelievable tool to maybe reach some Members of the golf course management industry who either are members of the association but not super active, or even more so, uh, superintendents who just are not members uh, of the association and using education uh, kind of as a tool to grow the community uh, in this industry. How do you see that yeah. working now and wh- why do you think yeah. that's so valuable?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely, Scott. You know, education's always been a bedrock of GCSAA and what we've done. and. The spectrum of a person's career uh, and as a member, they should mirror one another. So, uh, of course, when you're young and we've got the first screen where we're introducing people to the golf course so they get an idea of what the golf course is. And maybe someday they'll look at it as a job, you know, in high school or college. And then we've got the FFA that we're working with and kind of the same thing, those are individuals who, in most cases, have some sort of agronomic background, but maybe they never thought of a golf course, uh, and now now they're going to be looking for education to spe- get the, the specialization in golf course maintenance. And then, then you, I remember, you know, when I was in college, uh, being part of GCSA and getting the networking, and then the things that you don't learn in the classroom, learning. Through GCSAA. And then early in your career as an assistant, you know, you're working to get towards that superintendent job and the education, the classes at conference and show or what have you. Now we have a lot of things in the uh, can, so to speak, with GCSAA, virtual, online, and all the on demand things that you can get. Um, you know, and then we trans- transition a little bit later in our careers and then we start giving back. We become the teachers and the, right. the ones that are mentoring. And helping those younger ones along the way. So the education that you're talking about and what we talked about previously was the fact that there are a lot of talented people on our staffs and our crews who maybe don't have a degree, maybe haven't gone to school, but... My goodness. We're, we're looking for assistance in training and spray applicators and assistant superintendents and to take someone who's talented and ambitious on your crew and give them the education that they need to advance in their career, to, to start out at, at a point where they are, meet them where they are, and then work them into an assistant position. And then maybe they become superintendents someday, but get them in that pipeline with Education that currently exists and is free with your membership, I think, is a tremendous benefit that is underutilized. And you can create a career track within uh, those online classes, non-demand, and, and and really uh, find people that I think could be really, really good in their career. Again, they, they exist. Sometimes they're right before our eyes. And we're always looking for someone outside of our uh facility outside of our current people that we're working with and i i think that that's a real avenue that's been overlooked and i i think we as an association have the education and the ability to promote those people and get them uh into positions that we are direfully in need of right now absolutely and
0: it's always been a um a component of the of the association so we have the benefit of of time and experience in developing these educational yeah. programs, and really just a kind of a world class level package of, of opportunities. And I think now, you know, being able just Finding new ways to use that and uh, that can benefit the uh, the industry in the long term is, is, a, is a key way to go. So um, yeah. a lot there I would encourage folks, um, if you haven't already, head over to the website, GCSA.org. You'll see education tabs there that can give you, uh, give you just kind of a uh, nice overview of everything that's available if you haven't taken advantage of that own, uh, already. Um, one last thing I want to touch on uh, when it comes to uh, the association is... Um, kind of the burgeoning diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, efforts. Mm-hmm. There is an advisory council in place now uh, that was seated last year, one year under their belt. So you will, uh, as president, be uh, over, I, I guess, uh, uh, getting to see year, year two of yeah. that. Where would you like to see that that effort go uh, in the next, uh, I guess, in the next 12 months and then beyond that?
1: It's really been forefront in our society, hasn't it, Scott? It's, it's something that uh, I think in some ways, we thought well if, if somebody wanted to come and work in our industry, you know why aren't they showing up at my door uh, where are they and you know really we we have to be accommodating and look at people who are in the diversity equity and inclusion categories and and find ways to make it comfortable for them to come to our doors and and to reach out to them and get in the same room and establish relationships. And that's exactly what we did last year uh, was uh, sit down with those individuals, find out ways of reaching into those communities and making them aware that this is a good career. This is a good industry to be involved with. And then listen to them and how we make it comfortable for them. Uh, Diversity, equity, inclusion. I think a lot of times we... We think of the Black community, which is certainly a big part of it, but diversity, equity, inclusion you know, is, is young, it's old, it's all ethnicities, it's uh, people who need Uh, special accommodations for physical challenges, uh, mental challenges. It's, it's across the board. It's, it's an inclusion of everyone that we see in society into our industry. And uh, we, we see individuals. I, I read in GCM a lot about uh, superintendents and facilities who, who are reaching out who are finding really productive people that are helping them with needs that they have in their facility and not only that, they get a lot of uh, gratification from doing that sort of thing and giving somebody an opportunity. Um, as, as I've gone through my career, it's become a lot less about the agronomics and growing grass. It's been a lot more about growing people. And what, what a great opportunity for all of us to uh, find somebody and give them a hand up and you know, be inclusive. Uh, there, I, I think it's really imperative that, that we all do that. Yeah. It makes all of us better.
0: It it, it does, and I, I think uh, you know, we've already seen a little bit that when you're conscientious about this and you're thoughtful about it, um, the growth of the women in turf movement um, oh. uh, is it, a great, a great uh, evidence of that. Just by the you know what we saw in San Diego, the events that took place there mm-hmm. and the attendance that they've attracted, the uh, um, the uh, women volunteering. Yeah. Uh, at the mm-hmm. U.S. Women's Open in your neck
1: of the woods yeah. there, Olympic Club last yeah. year. They're yeah, gonna- I had an opportunity to go up there and address them and, and uh, Troy Flanagan and that group at Olympic Club. That was a really, really special thing. And what yeah. the women are doing, uh, coming together at conference and show and uh, there, there'll be a GCSA committee. Uh, it just is fantastic. They, they've really, really uh, been very, very good about coming together. Yeah. Great
0: example. Yeah, they'll be uh, and they'll be uh, replicating that at the Women's Open out at Pine Needles um, uh, mm-hmm. this year uh, as well. Yes. And uh, again, it just shows the benefit of being deliberate about stuff and how that can pay mm-hmm. off. So, well, Kevin, listen, I, I've, I've kept you way too long. Uh, I know you have actually an actual golf course to maintain and prepare. <laughs> Some upcoming trips, but yeah. I'll I'll end it. I'll end it with this question. You're uh, typically you're in your presidential year. You have served on the board at that point, typically six or seven years, and then you have this year and one more. When when your time on the board is over, what what would you want GCSA members to remember about your tenure? What would be a <laughs> I won't say epitaph. <laughs> that's a wrong. Yeah. That's a wrong uh, word to use here. But but how would you want to be remembered uh, as a representative of the association?
1: I would really hope that uh, I would be looked at as somebody who who made other people better. It wasn't about me. It was a, about uh, us as a community. It was about others that I represented the best aspects of of them as people and professionals. Um. And, and I, I think that that would be enough, Scott. You know, I'd, uh, there's, there's maybe programs and things that a lot of things that we've done as a board that I'm very proud of uh, going through my career. But really, I, I just hope I made everybody else better and made the whole better. Uh, and I, I made it about other people, not about me. That's pretty simple. <laughs> that, is, that
0: is that is a laudable goal. I think you've gone a long way in, in doing that during your time on the board. It's been great to get a chance to know you, work with you as a member of the staff. I know we always appreciate getting to know a little bit more about the board members uh, that do that. So, mm-hmm. Kevin Breen, uh, appreciate the time uh, today in joining us for the podcast. And uh, uh, best of luck over the next year. I know you and I will see each other numerous times. Yes. And I uh, you know you'll see many of the members listening uh, al- along the way as well.
1: Yep, hopefully we'll both be seeing
0: That's right. Really Absolutely. Well. That's see right. See we're on the way. We're we're well, on, yes, we well on the road to what road to recovery. So, ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Breen, the A6 president of GCSA on this episode of the GCSA podcast. Yep, thanks Scott. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks for listening to this episode of the GCSA podcast, a tip of the cap once again to Kevin Breen, CGCS, for taking the time to join us on this episode to talk about his upcoming year as GCSA president. And as a reminder, you can read more about Kevin's life, career, and journey into board service with GCSAA in the March issue of GCM Magazine and on our website at GCMonline.com. We will be back very soon with another episode of the GCSAA Podcast, but until then, my thanks to our editor and producer, Evan Bissell, to everyone at Bayer for their continued support of the podcast, to the nine members of the GCSAA Board of Directors, to all my coworkers and colleagues at GCSAA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, and of course, my thanks to you for subscribing, downloading, and listening. Till we meet again, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch up again down the road on the next episode of the GCSAA podcast.